All right, welcome to Inside Out, everyone. It's nice to see you this Wednesday evening. Glad you guys joined us for youth group again tonight. Um, so tonight we're going to start off into this idea of Christmas promises made and kept again this week, like we followed up last week on. Last week we talked about our hope. This week we're going to talk about our joy. But tonight when we were singing and we were worshiping, it struck me. Tonight we get to do something different. We sang about turning our eyes to heaven tonight, amazing grace. We sang about a lot of times when we, when we think of Christ, we think of Christ on the cross and we think of Christ in heaven. We turn our eyes to heaven, we see the cross. But tonight, <clears throat> tonight what I wanna do is I want us to take a minute and allow ourselves to look from a different perspective at Christ, at the beginning. Not so much the beginning, but the beginning for us. And that's that baby in a manger that we're gonna talk about tonight. The birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what that entailed as far as the shepherds go. So tonight's title of tonight's message is Christmas Promises Made and Kept but it's about our joy tonight. And that's what I wanna talk about tonight is our joy. But before I do that, I'm gonna give someone else an opportunity, a video that I'm gonna to play to kinda of set the stage for what we're gonna talk about tonight. It'll tell a little bit of the story, it'll read some of the scripture, and then I'll get into it here in just a few minutes. But I wanna give Travis Myers props for this video. Every Friday morning, I usually meet at the main bagel and Travis Myers over here in the red and checkered shirt. He is a, he's a very deep thinker, a very theological thinking man, smarter than I am by, 150%, right? And that's Travis. He's always, honestly, I've kind of wondered why Travis has been around me all these years, put up with me, because he and I's intelligence level, he, God was standing, he was standing in the right line when God was handing him out. How's that? Can I say it that way? So what you're gonna see tonight is you're gonna be able to dive into the mind of Travis Myers because he requested this intro video that I'm about ready to play tonight. So Corey, if you would play this for us, and then we'll get started in a minute. So when you think about Christmas, I did that, I was gonna play that anyway, I'm giving Travis kind of a hard time because I love the description of how the simplicity of what Christmas really is. And Christmas isn't about Christmas trees. Christmas is not about wreaths and lights and bulbs or gifts other than one gift. Christmas, all the nonsense, the commercial stuff. See, I want us to tonight, I want us to really think about Christmas. I don't want us to be a bunch of grumbling Christians that are arguing about the date. The date doesn't matter. Why the historians picked that date, there's all sorts of different reasons. Christmas trees don't matter. Wreaths don't matter. Santa Claus doesn't matter. What matters about Christmas is Christ. And if we let all the other fluff and stuff fly away, when people ask me about, why do you celebrate Christmas? We can tell them. It's the birth of our Lord and Savior, Christ the Lord, which we'll talk about tonight. The scripture we're gonna be looking at is Luke chapter two, is what we're gonna dig into tonight as far as when we get started here in just a second. But I wanna go through a few things before we get into that because I really wanna look at the shepherds in this story tonight. We're gonna to talk about angels and shepherds and Christ himself. But the shepherd's joy is kinda of what I wanna focus on. And a few of the experiences that the shepherds had while in the field, but I wanna kinda of break down this idea because a lot of people will tell you that Christmas is a very hard time of the year. Christmas is supposed to be about joy and hope and all these things, but here's what happens to people. People take this season and they don't have feelings of joy. They got pain, hurt, suffering, sorrow, loss of loved ones. There's a lot of things that go on during the Christmas season that are not easy and they're not full of joy if we lose perspective on what Christmas is really all about. People get stressed out, attitudes and actions of others. Do you ever notice that people get a little grouchier this time of the year? 
long lines, parking lots full, people standing, everybody gets a little short. It's dark outside, there's all kinds of discussions about should we celebrate Christmas, should there be a manger scene, all sorts of different things going on. But the frustrating part about all of this is it only happens, we only get frustrated when we lose perspective inside of what the season is really all about. The joy, the word joy is, is found 10 times in the Greek and 25 times in the Hebrew language. This a little bitty word that has a lot of meaning to it. If you guys look at your bulletins at the top there, I've got the word joy in that red box, but I've also got Jesus, others, and you. <clears throat> if you ever think about what the word joy means, it's Jesus, others, and you. That's the word joy. If you want to live a joy-filled life, that's the rhythm in which you live that life. Um, I heard a pastor say one time, that here's the definition of joy in his opinion. The settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and by choosing to praise God in every situation or circumstance. Joy is also a choice, you guys. We don't find joy in our circumstance or situations like we talked about for a long time. We find joy in the person that is Jesus Christ. That's where we find our joy. That's why we can say we have the song, we have joy, 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 joy down in my heart. It's because in my heart, because I've got Christ, I've got joy. So what I wanna look at tonight, I'm gonna read the scripture, and then I'm gonna look at a few things that shepherds experienced in this story. Corey, would you bring up that manger scene? Thank you very much. So in the manger scene, we see shepherds, wise men, which we'll talk about next week, but I really wanna look at this idea of what the shepherds experienced that night, okay? And in Luke chapter two, verse eight through 20, we're gonna read, okay? In Luke chapter two, verse eight, the shepherds and the angels is the title of this. It said, that night, pause. That's a therefore almost. What night? It says, that night in Luke chapter two, verse eight. What night? Go back to Luke chapter two, verse one real quick with me. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. Stop for a second. I really want you guys to understand God's providence here and how he moves. Because in Micah chapter five, verse two, it says the Messiah will be born in the little town of Bethlehem. How's that happen? Because God moved in the heart of the Roman emperor Augustus at that time, who put together a census, which as we'll read in a second, caused um, Joseph, David, he's in the lineage of David, to go to his hometown, his ancestry hometown, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is about 70, 70 to 90 miles south of where they lived. So you watch how God works. God used the Roman emperor to get done and fulfill the promise that was made, promises made, promises kept, that was made in Micah chapter five, verse two. So the Roman emperor, <clears throat> Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Now watch, Luke writes this book, remember this, to one person, Theophilus. Luke is a historian. Why would Luke put that in there? So people can actually, inspired by God, people could go back, check the dates, and see if this was actually accurate. And you know what? It is. So when you read the scripture, that's kind of how it breaks down. And because Joseph was a descendant of the king, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in, in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who, he was, who now, by now was obviously pregnant, it says. And while they were there, the time came uh, for, her to have, to, for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. 
She wrapped him in snuggling clothes or uh, strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So that's the night that we're talking about. So right now in this story, this has happened. Christ has been born. Christ the Lord was born this evening. That night, the, the, scene, the scene shifts. Now we go from Bethlehem out into the field and we're gonna hear what the shepherds experienced. So if you guys would walk through scripture with me tonight, I want you to see the details of this. The shepherds have no, see this is a great part. We look at the story like we know what it is. We hear it every year. The shepherds had no idea this was taking place tonight. So watch what the shepherds experienced. Luke chapter two, verse eight. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the, the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But an angel reassured them, do not be afraid. He said, I bring you good news. That's where tidings of glad tidings, good news that will bring great joy to all people. I wanna stop there. That will bring great joy. The good news brings what? Great joy to who? All people, you guys, saved and lost. Christ came into the world for every single one of us. So if you ever hear anybody tell you different, it's not biblical. In the Bible, it says great joy to all people. That's every one of us, no matter how we're walking with Christ, even if we're not walking with Christ, that baby came for that reason that Catherine prayed earlier, that we might know him. That's why that baby came. So great joy to all people. The Savior, this is the angel talking to the shepherds. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Where do we see that? In scripture. Remember we talked about last week, Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9. These are all fulfilled scriptures again. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, same thing. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will, find a, you will find a baby wrapped in snuggling clothes, and then it goes on to say, suddenly the angel, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom with God is pleased. Stop there for a second. That idea of a great multitude, the new King James says, and the King James says, a great multitude of the heavenly hosts. I've heard it taught this way, Every single angel involved in heaven was there that night at the birth of the Savior. That's how I've heard theologians teach us. In Revelation chapter five, it says this in Revelation chapter five, when the multitude of angels showed up, John describes it this way, there were thousands of millions of angels. I tried my best earlier today to try to figure out how I could even give us a sense of what that had to look like outside at night. In the middle, of the, we've all been out in the pasture at night when it's dark, all you got is the moon and the stars. This star shows up, an angel appears. They're surrounded by the glory of the Lord, which I'll talk about in a second. And a great multitude, a vast army from heaven's hosts showed up that night. Put yourself in their position for a second. And you wonder why they were terrified and afraid. But the beauty of the, the majesty of this moment to me We'll never get our arms around as human beings. I don't think we will ever realize until we see the glory of the Lord in heaven what this night meant when the Savior was born. And the, and the shepherds had no idea, and we'll talk about them in just a second. And then it goes on to say, the glory of the Lord, and then the other part about that I wanna talk about is verse 14. Glory to the highest of heaven, peace on earth to those 
whom God is pleased. There's no peace on earth, is there? There's wars in Israel right now. There's wars in, there's wars in, in Ukraine right now. There's battles going on around the world, right? There's no peace <clears throat> except for those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. That's the one thing we have <clears throat> when we become Christians, like we talked about a few weeks ago, we are no longer at war with God in our heart. That peace is for those that are saved, that God's pleased with. God's not pleased with the wicked and the unsaved yet, but he's pleased with us. That's why we have peace in our hearts. When the angels had returned to heaven, <clears throat> the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So who told them, the angels or the Lord? The Lord ultimately, didn't he? It was not the angels, it was ultimately the Lord that carried this message. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph there, and, and there was a baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what, they had, what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to, the, went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, it was just as the angel had told them. If you guys will wrap your arms around this story that we just read in scripture tonight, <clears throat> that should change our perspective or enhance our perspective, maybe not change it, but enhance our perspective on Christmas. Because that night when that baby was born, there were miracles happening everywhere and promises that were made, promises again kept that night in Bethlehem with those shepherds in the field. I want you guys to realize how powerful that is. Fulfilled prophecy in scripture is one of the most powerful things in my life of pointing to the Bible and knowing that I can hang my hat on that, that it's true. So let's look at point number one. The shepherds were surrounded. That was Luke 8 through 14. The shepherds had the privilege of being the first ones to hear the birth announcement and the first ones to see the newborn. Listen to me. <clears throat> I want you guys to hear me on this, okay? When I was a kid in high school, I would have been an outcast. I was not one of the cool kids, still not one of the cool kids. But when I was in high school, I was an outcast. I had maybe one or two friends of mine that I would consider friends just so I didn't have to be alone in the hallway. I had a girlfriend. The only reason why I really wanted a girlfriend was I didn't have to be alone in the hallways. I was an absolute outcast in high school. When you look at who the shepherds were, you guys, in Scripture, the shepherds were the scum of the earth. I think the only ones lower than the shepherds would have been the tax collectors. Shepherds lived out in the field and they were unclean and they were not even allowed to come into the temple to worship and go to synagogue and be be Jews. They basically were run out of town, so they were the, think about, if you're an outcast in this room, you think about how much God loves you. Look at me. If you feel like you're ever an outcast in this room, I want you to remember God loves you. Here's how we see it. He announced the birth of the Savior to the shepherds. They were the first ones to hear this, and anybody would tell you they are the bums of the earth. Nobody would have been wanted to been around these guys. Really, the only ones that would have been close to them would have been lepers. That's how dirty and unclean people's perspective was of them. So that's who God revealed this, this, this event to. And why was this child to bring such great joy to people? What was the deal with that? Why such great joy? We obviously know he's the Messiah. But in those days, they had been through what they call the silent years in Scripture. Almost 450 years, God never spoke through a prophet for hundreds of years. 
So for this to happen tonight, for an angel to show up and speak to these guys, this was breaking the darkness that they had dealt with the silent years. God was still at work on the earth, but he wasn't speaking through prophets anymore. Make sense? So this would have been a very powerful thing. It was a very dark time in Israel's life, and the shepherds were given hope because of what happened that night that the angel had told them. In Matthew, Gabriel tells Mary that this baby that will be born has come. You will name him Jesus, and he has come to save his people from their sins. Watch this. One of the questions tonight is, what's your greatest need tonight? The greatest need in humanity was this. Because of the fall, because of sin, was to get back into relationship with God. And he did that through offering himself, his son, the second person of the Trinity, back to humanity. God sent his son to do one thing, to save the world, to forgive people of their sins for those that would call on the name of Jesus. This caused great joy. And this is exactly what Jesus did. If you guys have got your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 53 real quick with me. This is another Old Testament uh, scripture that I wanna read to you guys real quick. Um, Isaiah chapter 53, verses three through six. It says this. He was despised and rejected now think, you guys, this was written 700 years before the cross. 700 years before Christ went to the cross. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest griefs. We turned our back on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for our sins but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that, so, he was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's path to our own way, and yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. That's, when you look at that little bitty baby in that manger, that's who ends up on the cross. That's the beginning of the road to redemption for us as human beings. We can't look at Christmas like it's just another holiday, you guys. This is where it all began, was right there in that manger. When we look at the cross, we got to reel back from Easter, and we go all the way back to the cradle, to the cross is how this works. So if we get our arms around that, that's why he came. And how he came is as critical as how he left. How he came was born by a virgin, right? Born of a virgin, why is that so important? A lot of you guys know this, because he was not born of man. He was born of God, cleansed, no, no sinful nature. He was perfect, and he, listen, look at me, he never sinned. The only sin he experienced is when he was on the cross, and God laid the sin of the world on him. When God laid my sin and your sin on Christ, that's the only sin Jesus ever experienced as a human being. Why? Because he was God. That's why, this comes to mind, so I'm gonna share it. That's why the empty tomb is so important in this conversation. The baby in the cradle going to the cross, giving his life, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of my sin, being buried in a tomb for three days, and when that stone was rolled away and he walked out, that's when God approved of the sacrifice that was made because he was perfect. If he had not been perfect, God would not have accepted the sacrifice that was made. And when he raised Jesus back to life, that's God going, that sacrifice is sufficient once and for all. And when we lay our sin, confess our sin on him, 
That's why we're forgiven. This whole story of Christmas, you guys, is the whole start to redemption, and that's what the shepherds got to see that night. So they were surrounded by the glory of the Lord. The radiance of the Lord surrounded them, and the multitude of angels that had to be there, I can't even imagine how overwhelming that had to be. That's why it impacted them so much, and that's why the second point is the shepherds searched. Verses 15 through 16, the shepherds believed Oh my gosh, do you hear that? They believed the message that the angel had told them. Do you notice the angel never told them to go seek out the Savior? The angel never said, now go into Bethlehem and look for the child. The angel never said that. But because of the message was so true and it so resonated with them, that's why they went into town. The angel never told them to do that, but they so believed that it impacted their behavior. When I just share what I shared tonight, I want you guys to pause for a second because I don't want my voice to become numb for you guys. I want you to hear the words I speak through God's spirit. When you hear the, the cradle to the cross, to the empty tomb, to the resurrection, does that impact you in such a manner that it changes your behavior or modifies your behavior or enhances it? It so changed their hearts that night in the field. The outcast heard from God and it so impacted them that their behavior changed and they went into town and searched for the Savior. They looked for this child they, and it says when they hurried into Bethlehem, Bethlehem is about five miles south of Jerusalem. And at that time of the year, well, what was going on, they were probably watching the Passover lambs. When the shepherds were out in the field, they weren't just guarding the lambs, they were probably guarding the lambs that were gonna be sacrificed for Passover. Think about that. We're gonna talk more about this next week. Think about that for a second. They're, a, they're guarding the Passover lambs that are gonna be sacrificed for the covering of their sin. They're about ready to go meet the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In that little bitty baby, worship in heaven, worship on the cross, but now we're looking into that little bitty manger scene and seeing that child that is gonna do this for them. So they hurried into Bethlehem and when they found him, they found exactly what the angels told them they would find. And that word find is this, or found. When it says they found him, that has, the, in the Greek tense, it has a sense of they searched for him. They were looking for him. They sought out the one they were told about. It breaks my heart when people hear about the Lord and they're just like, yeah, I know. And we don't seek Jesus in our lives. He came to seek and save those who were lost, right? But we need to seek the Savior, as we live our lives throughout the day. That's a good way for us to live our lives. They found the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. The shepherds are a good example for us to follow as believers today. They received the message of God by faith, and then he, and it sent them, and they, it sent them into town, and they responded. How did they respond? When the shepherds heard them out, you guys have heard me, I'm gonna beat this drum forever. When they heard the angel, it says they hurried, didn't they? That's immediately obedient. That's a great example for us to follow when we hear God touch us on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning when he speaks to my heart. Are we being immediately obedient to him in the message? Because that's a great message of obedience. The third thing is this, and I'll let you guys go to your small group tables. The, separate, the shepherds shared. Finding the baby was not enough for the shepherds. Being saved should not be enough for us. It should not be enough. The next thing they did is after finding him, they went and told everybody about the child who would listen. And I wanna, I wanna play a, a, a scene for you right now before I go on in the night. I'm gonna play a video for you guys to get the sense of what this night had to look like when the shepherds saw the, heard the angel, went into town, and they first saw the child. But I wanna do something. This, 
I, the, the only reason I'm playing this video is for me probably more than you. This really struck me because you'll see this shepherd approach uh, Joseph and Mary in the, in the manger scene and this shepherd has a very, the look on his face just struck me. I want you guys to think about this while this video is playing. What would you have felt and what would your response have been if you'd have been one of the shepherds in the field that night and for the very first time you got to see the child that Isaiah wrote about 700 years before that and now God's promise is fulfilled. When you look at that child, I want you to think while you watch this video, what would I have felt like that night and what would my response have been? What would you have done that night if you'd have walked up that manger scene and saw what the angel told you that you believed with all your heart that impacted you in such a way that it made you move and seek out the child? Go search out that child. And it struck me, I thought, what would I think? I mean, I know when I look at the cross what I feel. And I know when I think about heaven, I know what I feel, but I never really stopped to really ponder what that would have been like to be in that moment and look at that child that you believe with all your heart is the Messiah, Christ the Lord. That's what I want you to see when you look at Christmas. I don't want you to see the presents and lights. I love Christmas, I love everything about Christmas. But I will not let myself, after all the years I lived my life, not understanding the full story of what that manger scene holds for us and what that child represents. And here's what I believe. I really believe that the, the, the shepherds would have told Joseph and Mary exactly what that angel said out in the field, that this is Christ the Lord. What do you think that did for Joseph and Mary? See, God used the angels to validate to Mary and Joseph exactly who angel, the angel Gabriel said that that baby would be. So that had to be something that just had to validate and really, that's why I think it says that Mary pondered all these things in her heart because she remembered the angel Gabriel speaking to her. She remembered Joseph gonna divorce her, but Joseph being a man of God, chose to divorce her silently until he heard from the angel who said this is of the Holy Spirit, marry this woman, and he said okay, and they end up in Bethlehem. So I think when you see the shepherds, it's such a great story. God goes in the field, sends these shepherds in there, and I noticed the other thing that struck me is only one approached him. Don't be the only one, but be one that does approach the child, that does approach the Savior. But I believe the shepherds told them exactly what, they, what the angel said. But the other thing I believe is this, and now I'll let you go to your small groups. It so impacted them that they couldn't help but tell everyone in the community about the child and exactly what the angel said, and it was exactly as they were told. Now think about this. When we talk about the shepherds, nobody revered shepherds. Everybody looked at them one step above lepers, and all of a sudden, these guys are running around town going, hey, the Messiah's here. Christ the Lord was born tonight. Exactly the fulfillment of Isaiah happened tonight in that manger, and it said everyone was astonished. It's gonna be one of your questions. Everyone was astonished because it was exactly as the angel said. Turn to your small groups, have some discussions, and we'll come up and we'll close in a minute. Okay, if I can have you guys' attention back up to the front of the room. I always hate to break you guys' conversations because I know they're good, but I gotta, we gotta get this thing wrapped up because I wanna close with a video tonight. But here's, I got two things I wanna point out tonight as I close this thing just for the next few minutes. I want, to, I want you to know biblical joy. I wrote this down in my, biblical, the, the biblical definition of joy is this, a feeling of good pleasure and happiness that is dependent on who Jesus is rather than on who or what 
is happening around us. And I would put it another way, joy is this, joy is knowing God is with us and that he is working out his will even in our struggles. Remember, our joy is in the Lord. But the one thing we talked about at our table tonight that I wanna go back to one of your questions, it was the first question on your small group questions tonight. And it's the third thing. I want you to think about this. Does this story cause any resolve in your life as far as walking with Christ? We look at like the cross, that, that creates a ton of resolve. The empty, the empty tomb, that's a ton of resolve. I'm a Christian because I know that's true. Listen, you guys, this story tonight should create as much resolve as anything else we see in Christianity because if this isn't true, that's not true. Does that make sense to you guys? I wanna play a song, it's, um, uh, it's, a, it's about it, the rhythm of this song. It begins with the cradle and it ends with the cross and with an empty tomb. But I want you guys to have this picture in your head as we walk into Christmas. So Corey, if you'd play that for me and then we'll wrap it up and get you guys out of here. May this create resolve in our life, listen, to be ready, to live ready, to live ready for his next return. Because see, he's coming again. And in a twinkling, twinkling of an eye, he will rapture his church. Do you believe and are you waiting with assurance that Christ will return again as King of King and Lord of Lords? So may we have resolved because of this story to live ready for his return this Christmas season. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. It's like I often pray, Lord. Thank you sure seems insufficient for what you've done for us. But I pray tonight, Lord, as we went through this story and, and you touch our hearts with what happened and what's going to happen, I pray that we do live with resolve in the truth of Christ by your grace and by your mercy and by the power of your Holy Spirit and that we would live with that resolve and live a life ready for your return because as true as this is as we look over our shoulder, it's the truth that you're coming back again and may we be a church, may we be a people who are ready for their king to return and take them home. Lord, we love you. May this Christmas season not be just another Christmas season for this group of people and for myself, but may this story that we went through tonight help us to have a different perspective of this idea from the cradle to the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed.